And this morning, we are continuing in our series. In fact, we are concluding our series called The Next Step. And we've been in the series for, this is our sixth week, and I, I felt that it was an important series because it taught us about taking that next step. And we studied from the book of Nehemiah, and we discovered that an ordinary guy did some extraordinary things. I mean, he was amazing. We discovered that when we are compelled, when we endeavor because we are hurt for someone or we hurt for something, that when we do that and we take a step of faith, that God honors those steps and he honors our efforts. And on a personal and on a practical level, we've also discovered that all of us, no matter what your walk is, no matter where you're from, that we're all on a journey. And that journey is always going to require the next step. We're always walking through life, and all of us have to discover for ourselves what that next step looks like, especially when it comes to our relationship with God. And this series, I think, is teaching, has taught me, and I, perhaps you would agree, that, we're, that the light is green, that, that we should go. And some of us are in the red light, and someone's, maybe we need a little honk you know, to kind of push us through that light because it's time to move. It's time to take that next step. Now, before I move any further, let me tell you about next week. Because I, I'm really excited for the next series. The next series really has the potential to make a significant impact in your life. So you're not going to want to miss it. It's called One Nation Under God. And yes, we're going to go there. We're going to talk about the things that we don't want to talk about. But we're going to talk about it from the perspective that the Bible talks about. So I invite you to come back next week and invite someone with you. Speaking of next steps, though. You are in a church that wants to help you take that next step. In fact, we're here to help you take that next step. And I want to encourage you to do that. And the way you do that is that you get involved, that you just don't attend church, that you be the church, that you participate in the church. You know, the way we say it here at Canyon Hills is that we like to make more and better disciples. So that is the journey here at this church. We have it lined up. We have it mapped out for you. Our desire would be that, that you would First, get to know God. That's the first step, right? You, you learn about God, you get to know God, and then you, you gather, you continue to gather like you are doing right now. And in the process of doing that, you, you grow and you develop this deep, intimate relationship with the very real living God. And if you need to, you, you, you find freedom from a lot of hangups and, and your past and the pains, if you have to do that, then you deal with it. And once and for all, you wipe the slate clean for a specific purpose. And that is that you can discover your purpose and how you're made. And so that you can make a lasting impact, not only in your life, but the life of others, our community, and the world. In fact, the Bible, that's basically the goal. That, that is the journey. That is God's ultimate plan for your life. Now, the Bible speaks about it in different terms, but if you read it throughout the New Testament and the Old, that is exactly what God wants you to do. So as I conclude this series, I want to focus on the making a lasting impact part. I want to focus on that next step. How do I make a difference? And I call it having a faith dream. That is the next step. In fact, I get that question all the time. You know, how do I make a lasting impact? And the answer is, actually quite simple. You get involved at church. You know, you start making a difference. And, and listen to me, this is so simple. Just go to one of the pastors here and ask them, how can I help? And you'll discover that when you do that over a time, there's going to be this sense of fulfillment that you won't even be able to understand or explain. But here's the deal today. We serve a God 
who's still speaking to his people today. God, did you know that? That God is constantly trying to speak to you. No matter who you are, no matter what sins you've committed, he wants to speak to you. And some of us may say, you know, I don't really hear from God, or I haven't sensed God's presence in a long time, or uh, does that even exist? And I'm here to tell you that God doesn't have a speaking problem. Perhaps, and it's different for all of us, perhaps we may have a hearing problem. He's trying to say to us constantly, and here's how he speaks to his people today. You guys ready? He speaks in one of two ways. The first one is we open up his word. That's the Bible. The Bible tells us that it is alive, that it is able to do more. I mean, that, that it's, it's amazing what the Bible does. And those words that are coming out of the Bible are for us. They're for our instruction. They're for our conviction. They're for, our, for all kinds of different things. It is useful, the Bible says. So that's how God speaks to his people today through the Bible. But there's another way, and that's what I want to focus on this morning. God speaks to his people today through dreams and through visions. That's right, dreams and visions. And, and he's trying to say those things to us all the time. In, in fact, he gives us those dreams and visions, and sometimes they come in the, in the form of ideas. Sometimes they're supernatural ideas, ideas that you wouldn't be able to come up with on your own. And, and some of those ideas are really critical for your own personal growth and success. Take a look at the scripture. It comes from Proverbs 29, 18. And it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, it's a simple verse, doesn't it? But, but the word vision here is the word kazon, kind of like a calzone, but without the carbs. So anyway, the word kazon in Hebrew means a dream. It means a revelation. Of course, it says that it means a vision. So this scripture is essentially saying that where there is no dreams, the people perish. And it's not talking about physical health here. It's talking about your marriage dies your hopes die, your aspirations may die if you have no vision, that your emotions may die if you have no dreams. And for a lot of people, unfortunately, that, that is the reality this morning. And maybe, I'm suggesting that maybe all you need is a faith dream, a God dream, something deep in the inside that God is going to reveal to you or already has, but you failed to act on it. Here's another translation of that same verse, Proverbs 29, 18, in the New International Version, the NIV. And it says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. In other words, they get a case of like, who cares? It doesn't matter. And unfortunately, today, there are many people that where that's become the norm. It's like, whatever, it's kind of, I'm just going to go through the motions and in fact, this is becoming a struggle for some of our young adults right now, especially through this pandemic. And this is probably the worst mode to be in because this is called survival more, survival mode. And I want you to know this morning that, that God created you for so much more. He created you for significance, not just for survival, but it also, the Bible teaches that we don't have to stay there. But I also want to read the same scripture out of the message paraphrase, because I think it tells it best. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Now, the word blessed in Hebrew is the same word for happy in your soul. That means that there's this soul contentment that is found when you're doing the things in life 
that actually matter. So here's our goal this morning. And again, it's quite simple. Let's all agree to take that next step and let's start to dream again. Not that you're not already, but let's start to dream again. So the Bible says so that we won't perish, so that we, we won't cast off restraint, and so that we won't stumble all over ourselves. In fact, when I, when I take a look back at my life, I can tell you the points of the highs and the lows in my life, and they both have a direct correlation as to how much dreaming and vision I had at the time. When I have no vision, when I have no dreams, I tend to not be happy. I tend to feel bummed out. Maybe you can even call it depressed. But every single time, and this is regardless of the circumstances, every single time that I have a vision or that I have dreams, then I start to feel better and I start to feel healthier. And in fact, I start to become happier. And I don't know if you know this or not, but the word dream and the word health are so close together in Hebrew that the translators didn't even know what word to even use in the scripture because they were so similar. Like somehow dreams and health are intertwined. Now, think about that for a second. That you can get healthy in your soul, that your marriage could get healthy if you had a vision, that your life could get healthy if your life had a vision. And maybe you're thinking, you know, what my life really needs is for so-and-so to start doing this or for so-and-so to stop doing that. And, and I, I'm, again, I'm, I'm here to tell you that the reality of our circumstances is that our happiness is not determined by our circumstances. It's determined by our visions and our dreams and the revelations that we get. Look at Psalm 126. It's very, it's very telling. It says that when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. It's saying that when Zion, which is a place of God, was being restored, we were like those who dreamed. So it's saying that dreaming equals restoration. And when that happens, the result is our mouths are filled with laughter and our tongues are filled with joy. And that, folks, is called happiness. And that's what I want. And I'm sure that's what you want as well. Now, how many of you here have seen the movie The Bucket List? Raise your hand. Oh, come on. Be. All right. I see you. It starts Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson. And first, the disclaimer, I'm not recommending this movie because I don't know how inappropriate it may be. I haven't seen it in a while, so just keep that in mind. But I remember this movie had a great moral to the story. And if you haven't seen it, here's a spoiler alert. But by the way, it's not, is it really a spoiler alert if it's over 10 years old? I think that's on you if you haven't seen it. So it's not really a spoiler alert anymore. It's, I think, I don't know, 13, 14 years. Anyway, it's about a poor guy and a rich guy, and they both end up in the hospital dying of cancer. And the poor guy start to make a, starts to make a bucket list, you know, things he wants to check off or do before, if you will, he kicks the bucket. And the rich guy has the money to do all those things, so he says, hey, I have the money, you have the list, let's go out and do it, and off they go. And the moral of the story is that they, they went and they checked the things off the list. And they thought that their satisfaction was going to be in the things that they checked off, like, you know, flying out of an airplane or racing cars. But they ended up finding out that life was a lot more than that, that it was about relationships, 
and connections and caring and guess what? And making a lasting impact in the life of others. It actually really was a beautiful moral to the story. So here's the next question because I like a lot of questions. How many of you guys have a bucket list? Whether you call it a bucket list or not. Things you want to check off and you want to do before time runs out. Anyone have a list? Okay. Four of you. That's awesome. Anyway, hopefully more in line have a list. But let me just tell you, I want to encourage you to start one. And you'll, you'll see why in a minute. Now, I started one. And my list has some things written down on it. Some are still in my head that I eventually will get down to get to writing down. You know, and, and, and the list is just keeps getting bigger and bigger. I mean, I have things, stuff in there that are kind of personal. Like, I've never been to Europe, so I want to take my wife to Europe. I want to kiss her in the Eiffel Tower. Don't tell her I said that. But that's what I want to do. You know, I, I want to go eat pizza in Italy somewhere. I don't know where. But I have those kind of, you know, bucket list type of things. Uh, and by the way, my list is not even called a bucket list. I, I thought that most of you would relate to a bucket list because you've heard it before, but apparently not. But either case, my list is called my faith dreams list. That's what I call my list. That's what I call my to-do. That's what I call everything that I write down. But many of those things in my faith dream list are ministry things. And I'll tell you a few of them. I want to build a gym for the children in the school in Juarez, Mexico, our sister church. I want to send out our very own missionary. It doesn't have to come from this church, but I want to find them. We want to find them. We want to develop them, train them, and send them out to wherever God wants them to go. I want this church to do that. I want this church to plant 10 more churches before they fire me. So who, I, I don't have a lot of time. And I want this church to get so outside of itself, and we're doing that now, but so outside of ourselves that we can't help but fund so many different projects around the world. And I know that some of those, like Plantington churches, is, is far-fetched. And maybe your dream list may have some far-fetched things, but I would still write them down. Because we serve a God, and there's a scripture that I really like that says that God is able to do more than we can imagine or ask for. Do you guys believe that? Amen? All by myself. Amen. I'm up here all by myself. Thank you, guys. You know, I really like that Bible verse because I found that to be true in my life. In fact, I had, a, I had a dream many, many years ago to start a business, and I didn't know how, neither did I have the money, and frankly, didn't have the talent to start a business. I just had a dream that I wanted to start a business. But one day, God asked me for my heart's desire, and I asked for a business, and for two years, nothing happened. And in fact, I almost gave up on the dream because I almost forgot it. And all of a sudden, it happened quickly. I was able to purchase the company that I worked for. Now, to this day, oftentimes, I pull out the contract that I keep in my desk. I pull it out, the contract that is signed when it happened, you know, I don't know how many years ago, 14, 16 years ago, just to remind myself that God can do more than we can imagine or ask for. But I also learned something that day when I signed that contract, and that is that I would never say never again, and that I would allow my heart to dream. And yet, I have to tell you, even with all of that, God has so much more for us than just business and companies and titles. So trust me when I tell you that God has wonderful things in store for every single one of you. We just need to take that next step and start dreaming again. So here's the homework this week. This week comes with homework. That you will take that next step, and that step is to start to go home and write a list down. Whatever you want to call it. Mine is called a faith dream list. Maybe yours could be called a faith dream list as well. And just get it started. Have some fun things in there, but have some meaningful things in there and have some things that are going to change the world as well. 
Because here's our reality this morning. And I think we all know this. Most of us have dreams. Some of them are expressed. Some of them are unexpressed. Some of them are written down. Some of them are not. Some of them are just in our mind or our heart. Things like, oh, we kind of want to do that, but I don't want to take the risk of saying it because then I'm accountable for it. Some of them, you're not giving them much thought. But, but, I, but I came up with five different types of dreams, which means there's five different types of dreaming, dreamers. That means that chances are those dreams are represented in this room here and online. And there's five different type of people. And the first type of person is someone that has no dream. There is no vision, which means there is no dream. And, and I don't mean to sound mean, but that may be the reality for a small few here today. And yet Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. In other words, faith is the essence of our hopes and dreams. That means that in the absence of those hopes and dreams has a direct correlation to your closeness to God. Your closeness to God means that God will always put his dreams and he puts his heart's desires inside of you. So as a Christian... We connect with our living God and we dream. And then maybe for some of you, that is the next step. That you may be saying, you know, how do I get close to God? Well, maybe I'm not hearing from God because I have so many voices competing for my attention. And sometimes in order to hear from God's voice, you have to turn down the world's volume and allow God to speak to you. Maybe... This pandemic has caused you to go into survival mode, and you have forgotten your first love. Maybe you have been so busy with your juggling act that you don't have time for God, let alone dreams. Maybe this is a wake-up call. Because Jeremiah in the Bible says that, Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. That means that you call he answers, and he tells you great things. In fact, God is, is asking us to get close to him in prayer. And, and we know that prayer is not just a dumb session where we just give him a list of all of our wants and needs. At some point, we have to pause and let him speak to us. So we are to pray and listen. And there's a second type of person that may be here today, a second type of dreamer, and that is someone with the wrong dream. In fact, Paul in Acts chapter 20 says, however, I consider my life worth nothing if only I may finish the race and complete the task. Paul is saying that he has found his greatest joy in life, doing what God has asked him to do. That also means that your dreams shouldn't just be about earthly pursuits. I mean, nothing wrong with earthly pursuits because God gives us those too. But if none are connected to God, we must ask ourselves if we are connected to God. Now, if that is the case and you have pursued some of those dreams and have accomplished them, you may still have a sense of emptiness in your life because God has so much more for you than that. And, and you may be wondering, how do I get to a place where you have God dreams? And, and, and the answer is, again, quite simple, but very difficult to do, is that you surrender your life completely to Jesus. That means that you give your life wholeheartedly to God and that you give him all of you. And what is all of you? You guys know what that is. It's all of you. That means everything you are, your, your time, your energy, your hangups, your resources, you, you just kind of give it all up to him 
And when you do that, the Bible calls it delighting in the Lord. And there's a scripture that says that when you delight in the Lord, that the Lord gives you the desires of your heart. And, and if we think about that even further, our reality as Christians is that we only have what we have because we serve a loving and generous God. So if we know that, then the next thing is that we would use everything that we are. That means that our cars, our talents, our ideas, our, our pools, our boats, whatever you have, you use it for the glory of God. Now, there's a third type of person that is someone with a stale dream. That means you have a good dream, but it's kind of gone stale for whatever reason. You were fired up about it, and either it was delayed or you hit some obstacles and, and that you didn't plan on. And now it's barely, you know, just flickering. It's kind of almost dying out. It's hanging in there. And I've been a Christian for over 30 years now. And I've learned that you don't just casually, you know, revive stale dreams. It usually takes something significant to happen if you want to restart one of those dreams. And for me, what works almost every single time are two things that I want to recommend to you. The first one is getting outside of myself, like serving. Every time I'm finding a hard time getting through some obstacles of things that I want to accomplish, I just get outside of myself, I refocus, and I focus my attention on serving someone else. Stuff like going to Long Beach to feed the homeless, stuff like that. The other one that works every single time is prayer and fasting. And I'm not saying that you, you should do this. I'm just saying that it works for me because prayer and fasting works. You know, that means that I, tie, I take the time and I try to separate as much of the world as I possibly can. And I try to connect with God as much as I possibly can. Because the, the reality, again, for some of our problems, the, the reason that our, that our lives may become stale or that our dreams may become stale is because we have too much of the world in us and not enough of God. And prayer and fasting is, literally combats both of those things. You know, fasting is not just about starving yourself from food. It's about how much can I remove the world from myself and disconnect myself from the world, from media, from anything secular. I mean, what can I do to create, even if it's just a few days, some type of separation that I can add to them. And, and instead of spending the time in all of those things that we're doing, that instead I spend that time with God in prayer. In fact, not too long ago, I decided that I was going to fast from social media just to, just to refresh my soul from all this craziness that is going on. And I did it for a few days. And on the other side, I can tell you that I came out with a resolve to love people no matter what their views are, which is really hard to do. Would you agree? And I'm telling you, that, that, that'll spark something, uh, this fuel that, that will set a fire inside of you. Because Paul in 2 Timothy tells us that for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you. Maybe it's been a long time since you allowed yourself to dream. But I'm here to tell you that, that it's time. Do something significant. Fan the flame to let God just burn inside of you. Now, there's a fourth type of person, a fourth type of dreamer, and that's someone with a vague dream. So you've dreamt about something, but you haven't really spent a lot of time developing it or articulating it or to dream it up even more thoroughly, right? And I have to tell you that if, if you want some of these things to come to pass, here's what I've learned. You have to write things down. 
If you want to be a Christian who is making a difference, get in the habit of first dreaming and writing them down. When I first um, became a pastor, which was, I don't know, 12 years ago, I, I was praying to first to see if this is something that, I, that God wanted me to do. And I felt that once I said yes, that he gave me a scripture. And he gave me a scripture just through studying and other people confirming it. And, and it is a scripture that I could live by in my new role as a pastor. So I wrote it down on top of my whiteboard. And just so you know, I'm a whiteboard kind of guy. That is where I brainstorm. I go to the whiteboard. That's what I dream. That's where I write all the things down that I want to accomplish because I'm a visual guy and the whiteboard is important to me. So every day I looked at the scripture and it reminded me to write the vision down. And I encourage you, take the scripture home with you. It's Habakkuk 2.2. Habakkuk 2.2 says that write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. That means that anything I want to accomplish, I write it down. And I just know that if I, if I don't do that, I'm just not going to give it the importance. When I write things down, I force myself to develop a plan. I force myself to pray about it so that it can come to pass. I, I force myself to seek answers where there's obstacles that I can't accomplish. And the other one is I force myself to seek help because I can't do it all by myself. In other words, if you don't write it down, you won't be able to read it. You won't be able to make it plain, and you won't be able to run the play. Neither can anybody else run the play if they don't know what the vision is. Write it down. So if you don't get anything else out of this message, would you just please get alone with God? Start to write down your faith dreams and write them down. And let me just tell you, dreams, folks, they're free. They don't cost a thing. You don't have to have anything in your mind that says, oh, I can't accomplish it. Just, just, just go for it. It doesn't cost anything to write them down. Now, here's the last type of dreamer. And here's the one that I really want to share with you is someone with a God dream. A God dream. And that's what we all want, God dreams. Dreams that are, first of all, honoring to God. Not just ones that puff us up and say, you know, I own a business or my title is so-and-so. I mean, that's fine. That There's nothing wrong with those. But you have to have some things on the list that are going to go past this lifetime. Because I know that we all know this again, that there's going to be a day when God is going to come and ask, what did you do with all those talents that I gave you? What did you do with all of those dreams that I helped you realize? Or in my case, what did you do with all those good looks and personality that I gave you so many things? That wasn't that funny, by the way. And I think we all want to hear on that one day, well done, good and faithful servant. We need God dreams. God dreams that defy culture. God dreams that encourage us to stand up against injustices in this world. We need God dreams that impact heaven. And that, that, that is where we snatch people out of hell and help them get to heaven. In fact, that's what I love about this church. That everything you do, everything we do is focused on getting more people in heaven and out of hell. More and better disciples. You know, God dreams, they seem impossible. God dreams will always require God's help. And that's the beauty of it, that we will all feel over our head. In fact, I am so over my head right now, it's not even funny. I, but I've been like this for years, so don't worry about it. It's, but I'm over my head on every single time that God asks me to do something. I'm like, you want me to do what? But here's what it does, and here's what it'll do for you. It'll keep you on your knees. 
It'll keep you depending on God. It'll keep you praying and knowing that it's going to take great faith and a great God to accomplish a lot of these things on your dream list. So I want to close this morning with this story found in Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, verse 22, there's a story about a blind man that Jesus heals. And this is how it starts off. It says, they came to, they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. So pause there for a second. Because it's interesting to me that somebody brings their friend, a blind man, and tells Jesus how to heal him, which is not a good idea. So Jesus didn't touch him. And then the Bible says, he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Which, by the way, that tells me that sometimes in order for God to heal you or to speak to you, you have to change your environment. You can't stay where you're at. But then instead of touching him, the Bible says this, and it's actually pretty funny. It says, when he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him. So his friend brings him over and says, hey, can you touch him? And Jesus says, no, I'm going to spit on him instead. Anyway, sometimes that tells me that sometimes we think that Jesus has to do things a certain way. Like he has to fit into our box or our system. And this is telling us that we can't put Jesus in any box. He's going to do what he's going to do. He's going to heal you, answer you however he wants to do it. And we can't predict how that's going to happen. We just know that he'll answer us. Then Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Now, pause it for a second and think about that for a second. If he is blind, how does he know what trees look like? And there's only one answer, is that he once had sight, and somehow he lost it. He knew what trees looked like. But here's the point to this story today. This is the part that I really want you to take home. The next two words on this scripture say, once more. It says, once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Jesus, who has the ability to heal him perfectly, the first time, prayed for the guy a second time. And I think those are some of the most significant words of this story. He's saying, God is saying that I am willing, even though you had a vision and you might have lost it, I'm ready to give you a once more kind of experience. Maybe what we need is to wake up from our current dreams and start realizing God dreams. Maybe what you need is just to stand up and carry your cross every single day. And especially for some of us or some of you that have been at church for such a long time that maybe your experience has grown stale. Just remember once more, we serve a once more kind of God. I'm telling you, we need to know that God has a once more kind of touch and experience for your life right now. Do you believe that? Then check this out. The story closes. And it says, then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Will you pray with me? Father, we know you're in our midst. And as surely as you live, Father, I know you're speaking to your people right now that we're all dealing with the effects of this pandemic. We're all dealing with the to-do list and all the things that get in the way, and yet you still want us to find ways to put you first. Lord, in my prayer for this church and all the people here, 
that in order for this church to be all that you've created, Father, I, I ask that you would allow every single one of us, Lord, to start seeing things clearly, to put you above all else. God, help us to get beyond our own personal pursuits or our personal agendas that, folks, for many of us, we're, we're discovering that it just leads to emptiness and dissatisfaction. Lord, I ask that you would help us see once again that once more you would allow us to see clearly what you have in store for us. And if that's you today and you need to see again, would, would you just be bold and every eye is closed and every head is bowed? Would you just slip your hand right up right now so that I can pray for you? I see your hand. You can put it down. Thank you. I see your hand. Anyone else? Put your hand down. I see that hand. Amen. Praise be to Jesus for your hand. You can put that down. Anyone else? Father, I pray for those people that raised their hand and those that wanted to raise their hand, Father, that just for a fresh vision, Lord, I, I ask that you would let them leave this place following your word, writing it down, getting close to you, sh shutting down the volume or even off the volume of the world. And I pray, God, that we get the vision that you've intended for us to have so that we can make a difference, Lord, make a lasting impact in our lives, the life of others, our community, and the world. And maybe there's some of you that feel like you're far from God right now or, or don't even know God. And if that's you, will you just consider allowing God to just uh, break that barrier between you and him, whatever that may be? And if you're, if you're that person and you want to give your life to Christ, I want to just help you do that by, by praying this prayer in your heart and just repeat it silently in your heart and say, God, God would you just, um, I need you in my life right now. Would you please forgive me of my sins? Come inside my life and change me. And as best as I know how, I will live for you forevermore. So, Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you give us all a vision and dreams. And I pray that you would help us realize those as we walk out of these doors. In Jesus' name I pray.